Fletcher checking in with you again for chapter two of the excursion risk management course excursions and managing risk this chapter is going to cover practical experiences in teaching and learning we're going to talk about managing risk on excursions and then we'll cover off on excursion risk management plans and what that means for you as a teacher planning for an excursion we know that as a teacher you're faced with a lot of layers of responsibility and expectation and on top of teaching a broad curriculum like we talked about in the first chapter um, you're also faced with all different facets of responsibility and that's why it can seem not worth going through the experience of planning and taking your students on an excursion it may certainly at times feel like it is just more difficult and more challenging than it's worth to move your teaching and learning experiences outside of the classroom. There is, however, a lot of research, and I'm sure you listening know that that research is out there, that tells us that taking your students outside and giving them new hands-on experiences allows them to experience their own learning and provides a lot of value for each student in having those learning experiences. When we talk about excursions and taking children outside and letting them explore and learn on their own, you know, that falls under what we might, you know, technically want to call best practice education principles. When we talk about best practice education principles, we're talking about the characteristics of education programs implemented during program development and delivery to drive positive outcomes in participant knowledge, awareness, skills, attitude, intention, behavior, and enjoyment. So that's a pretty full on definition. So basically what that's saying is best practice education means that your students not only develop knowledge by just listening, that they're also developing skills, intentions, behaviors, they're having fun, they're getting amongst it, it relates to their real life, they can apply it to themselves. And those principles of behavior change include those kinds of things. So uh, the principles of behavior change can in include using real life community-based issues as context for delivery and making that content that you're teaching relevant to the students. It involves providing students with active hands-on learning experiences. It integrates investigative and issue-based teaching and learning approaches, which basically means letting your students get in amongst it and experience for themselves. Combining learning content with meaningful and authentic experiences that make students feel empowered we also know that best practice education needs to have programs delivered by educators who are knowledgeable, passionate and sincere. And that's you. That's where you come in. And there's no question that that's what a teacher is trying to do. But we know, as we've discussed, that being a teacher is becoming more and more complex. And it's these complexities that we're trying to reduce for teachers by creating this excursion risk management course in dealing with how to understand how to utilize a risk assessment and how to develop a risk management plan.
Children in Queensland are spending more time at their desks and less time outdoors as red tape forces schools to cut back on excursions. Teachers say complicated risk assessment and an ever-growing curriculum are scaring them off taking students out of the classroom. As a result, they say students are missing out on excursions and it could harm a child's ability to learn. So what you just heard was a snippet from the Today Show where they talked about school excursion cuts uh, and you heard them saying that red tape and curriculum pressures are forcing teachers to keep kids inside and they make the suggestion that this could harm a child's learning. As teachers, I think we all understand that there are reasons behind that and the intention of not taking children outside isn't to harm their learning, it's just the pressure of the red tape. And um, that's why we've developed this course to help you build your knowledge and skills and hopefully also your confidence to take on those responsibilities of removing the red tape so that you can involve your students in experiences that, that allow them to participate in their own learning and to go to do outdoor excursions, have outdoor experiences and have immersive experiences. So as part of this course, we hope that we can address for you risk management and safety and that you will be confident and inspired to take your students outside once that red tape has been removed because it is the red tape that is difficult. And we understand here at Extra Credit that the pressure of creating a risk management plan can be full on while you're trying to do all of the other things that you're trying to get done in the day. Even though you understand the importance of excursions and integrating hands-on immersive experiences for your students, it can be super difficult. But once you have learned how to easily create that risk management plan and implement it seamlessly, we hope that you will be inspired to take your students outdoors much more. And that is now why we're going to play for you a episode of The Moth, which is another podcast that um, I personally love listening to. It's uh, a platform where people just hop up on stage and tell their personal experiences. And one of those people who do that quite a lot is Michaela Blay. She's a past social studies teacher who approached teaching in a way that involved her students in a series of games and experiences to engage them in their learning. This episode is called Life and Death on the Oregon Trail and it reminds us of the power that there is in providing students with a learning experience that is immersive and engaging and that they can relate to their own lives and it shows us a different style of teaching. And when we listen to Michaela's story, it's evident that her approach to teaching not only made her lessons really engaging and inspiring for her students, but it also provided her with new challenges as a teacher when it came to creating enjoyment in her own teaching experiences as well as those for her students. We hope that you feel inspired by this little story that Michaela tells and that that inspiration can help you get through the course and see the value in learning how to utilize your skills in risk management so that you too can give your students those powerful learning experiences. Hello. So it's the last unit of the year. I'm teaching third grade. And the last unit is the Oregon Trail. And I am prepared to have my students 
really live the Oregon Trail. Uh, this is how I taught third grade. I would create a world and then run it like a puppet master. Um, I uh, and, and a lot of those times, those worlds were goofy. Like, we would have always a game. Uh, we got letters from a stuffed animal rock band named Anticlea and the Howlers who were lost across the United States, and we were studying geography, so to help them, we had to study the states. Uh, we got letters from time machines. My characters had names like Cheesy De Pizza and Caesar Von Salad. Um, I was not a serious teacher. Uh, but now this is the Oregon Trail. This is a serious time, and this is also a really complicated time in American history. Um, but to be totally honest, I'm not sure I can get at the like historical and moral complexities of westward expansion with nine-year-olds. Um, uh, they have trouble taking the perspective of their little sister. So I'm not really sure I can do that, but I know I can get at the gravity of it, right? This is pioneers, 2,000 miles across the United States, uh, which weren't the United States yet, uh, across the Rockies, leaving everything they know, risking everything they have, blizzards and hunger and all these things. And um, so at least I can get, it's really real, and at least I can get my kids to feel like it's really real. So I come to my class and I say, we're going to be doing the Oregon Trail. And this one smart Alec kid named Alex says, well, will it be a game? Because he knows it's always a game. And I say, yeah, but it's going to be a dangerous game. And they're pretty psyched about that. So... <laughs> So what I've planned is like a simulation. We're going we're gonna to take on characters of pioneers and we're going to travel the Oregon Trail on a wagon train. So first we have to choose names for our characters. I download and print the names of real people who died on the Oregon Trail. It's pretty authentic. And, um, and so they can have their first names, but they have to have last names like Chapman and Blunderfield and Alex is now Alex Bacon and then they have to choose occupations and all the girls want to be pop stars and I tell them there were no pop stars on the Oregon Trail choose authentic occupations from the 1840s so okay so great there are farmers and there are gold miners and there's a couple of doctors and we're, we're good but before we start I want them to feel what it really felt like to walk for that long so I was here in Manhattan um, I took them on a 40 block walk It's about two miles. It's not that long. It's long if you're a nine-year-old, I guess. And it's a beautiful day. You know, we're going up the west side. We're going up the Hudson. And uh, Alex Bacon says to me, well, I wouldn't have had to walk. I would have ridden in the wagon. And I said, aha, no, no. Children never rode in the wagons. The wagons were for if there was someone sick or our supplies or if we had a piano, because I have done my research. And then another kid says, well, I'm thirsty. And I say, well, there were no water fountains on the Oregon Trail. And he says, well, there's a water fountain right there. And I think about the parent phone call I do not want to get about withholding water from a child. And I think fast and I say, ah, a stream. How fortunate. Let us partake. And so we finally get back and we're, we're hot and sweaty, but we're, we're ready. We're, we're ready to go um, on, our, on our journey. And um, I, uh, the way I've designed it is... A, Previously, all of my games were just fiction. Like, I would just write a letter, and then they would respond, and I would write another letter that night. I always knew what was going to happen. But now I want to play a little more dangerously, because it was all luck what happened on the Oregon Trail, right? So um, I have designed a game of chance. Um, I have combined... Do you guys know the Oregon Trail video game? Yeah. Fans? Okay. Uh, I've designed... Uh, I've, I've combined the Oregon Trail video game with principles of Dungeons & Dragons. 
the role-playing game with dice. So what we're going to do is every day I'm going to tell them what happened on the trail that day. They're going to make some choices about what they want to do, and then we're going to roll dice to see if they succeeded or failed. So I'll give you an example. We, we get to a river, and they have to decide, do they want to pay a ferryman, or do they want to ford their wagons? And they decide to ford their wagons. We roll to find out if their wagons sank or floated, that kind of thing. So it's easy. Great. All right. So the first day starts... And I have this bonnet that I have sewn out of old upholstery material. And I put on this bonnet and I tell them, I am Mary, your wagon train captain. We are all here for different reasons, but we will have to work together to get through the the bad weather and the hunger and the wild animals that await us. And Alex Bacon says, excuse me, Mary, this is a dangerous game. Could we die? (laughs) And I was a little in character at that point. And I will also admit I wanted to take Alex down a peg. So I said, sure. People died on the Oregon Trail all the time. Someone might die. And this shiver of excitement goes across my class. They liked my stuffed animal rock band, but they are into danger. And I know I'm not going to let anyone die. Like, I'm not going to let it get there, right? No one's going to die on the Oregon Trail. But the idea that someone might gets them wanting to come to social studies every day. So this is okay. So we're off. We're tracking our mileage. and We're rolling dice. And we're making tough choices. And at some point, uh, I have them meet a snake oil salesman who offers to sell them an elixir that will make them stronger and faster and get to Oregon City quicker. And something you need to know about nine-year-olds... A lot of them, pretty much all of them, don't know what snake oil salesmen are. (laughs) I say this to you, and you know this is shorthand for, like, a con man, right? But to them, it's just someone else they don't know about, like taxes. Like, it's just a thing, like a grown-up thing. Okay, snake oil salesman. So they decide to buy the elixir because they want to go get there faster. And um, so we roll to see how much stronger and faster they got. And, of course, we all know the answer is none faster. Uh, It's snake oil. So I tell them, um, actually, that was a con. You are throwing up for a day. You lose a day of travel. And I think they're going to be really annoyed that they got slowed down, but they are psyched. They got to throw up in social studies. (laughs) They're talking about it for days. My game is a hit. The problem is, every day before we start, someone says to me, is someone going to die today? (laughs) Is someone going to die today? And I've been putting them off and putting them off, but... My game is going so well, and we're getting towards the Rockies, and I figure, you know what, I'm going to give them just a brush with death. So I write, I write out a bunch of possibilities for that day, and uh, the next time someone asks me, is someone going to die today? Uh, I say, we have been lucky thus far, but the Rockies lie ahead, the most treacherous part of our journey. Who knows what might happen? So I put on the bonnet. That's what I did. I, I, I loved that action. Um, and I set the scene for the morning. In the early morning light on a rocky mountain pass, a wagon hits a rock and is overturned. Someone is trapped beneath the wagon. Let us roll to find out who it is. I'm not proud of this. <laughs> I take off the bonnet and we have like a system of rolls to figure out different kids have different numbers and I roll and it's this little girl Katie. <laughs> I know. Um, her Oregon trail name is Catherine Chubbuck. She's a farmer. She's one of these kids who always has really messy hair and sounds like she's been smoking since she was three. <laughs> and she has to come to the front of the class and I say, Catherine Chubbuck, your legs have been trapped beneath the wagon. Roll to find out if you get free and what happens. 
and she rolls. And she gets free, but her legs have been infected. I wrote these possibilities. (laughs) And this is the first time I'm thinking, why did I write that possibility? This is getting really dark. And I say, Catherine Chubbuck, roll to find out if your infection gets better or worse. And she rolls, and it gets worse. (laughs) And she looks at me and just goes, did I die? And as soon as she says it, I realize how much trouble I am in. I haven't written any more possibilities. I didn't think we would get this far. So what happens next? Do we have a funeral on the side of the Oregon Trail for Catherine Chubbuck? Is that the parent phone call that I get for having traumatized a girl for killing her on the Oregon Trail? Bad teachers kill kids on the Oregon Trail. And I am not a bad teacher, or so I thought. This is all the stuff that's happening in my head. I'm thinking so much about it. A lot of it is very existential. And then all of a sudden, from the back of the class, this little girl, Ellis, whose Oregon Trail name is Dr. Ellis Chapman, just goes, wait, I'm a doctor! (laughs) And I'm like, thank the Lord. (laughs) Dr. Chapman brings her doctor bag. She knows how to heal the wound. Ellis Chapman comes up to the front of the room. I say, the only way you roll to find out what happens, the only way you die is if you roll a six. That's the only way you die. (laughs) The class is holding their breath. As Katie rolls, she does the lucky, like, shake thing, and then someone just goes, shake them again. (laughs) She shakes, and she rolls, and it's a three, and she survives. I know, I know. In my class, it's like the end of Apollo 13. Kids are throwing papers in the air and like hugging each other. And Ellis is hugging Katie and Katie's just going, I almost died. I almost died. (laughs) And I'm so glad we agreed to bring a doctor on the Oregon Trail with us. She couldn't hunt, but she was very useful. And the problem is, so that was great. The problem is we still have 720 miles to Oregon City. And I'm exhausted. I can't remember a time before we were walking the Oregon Trail. And then the next day, you know, I had all this stuff planned. The next day, I get, to, I get to class. I put my bonnet on. I tell them, we hear animal noises in the bushes. And Alex Bacon is right on it. He goes, is it wild animals? Are we in danger? <laughs> and he says it. And I realize they love the danger. I'm the one who doesn't want the danger. And I throw my plan out the window. It was wild animals. And we were in danger, actually. But I, I forget about that. I say, no. It is a baby animal with a broken leg who we must adopt uh, for the rest of the trip. And they all do the third grade baby animal noise, which is, oh. And I say, let us roll to find out what species of baby animal we will be adopting. Is it a baby bunny, a baby fox, or a baby wolf? It's a baby wolf. They name him Yenny the Benny. They love him very much. And he follows us all the way to Oregon. And we get to Oregon in record time. I mean, forget pioneers walking. This is Amazon Prime two-day shipping to get to Oregon City. (laughs) Nothing bad happens between the Rockies and Oregon City. And when we get there, we do, we homestead, and we do our budgets, and we do all that stuff. But we also make cornbread, and we have a dance party to September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. (laughs) Which is not historically accurate. But that is the kind of Oregon Trail I want to be on at that point. Um, so that's the Oregon Trail. But I have to tell you guys, um, about a year ago, I ran into Katie on the street um, on Broadway. And she's in ninth grade now. She looks exactly the same, except that she's been stretched, you know? 
and I recognized her right away, and she recognized me, and we hugged, and I said, how are you? And she said, and, and, and the first thing she said to me was, do you remember when I almost died on the Oregon Trail? <laughs> and I said, yeah, Katie, I absolutely remember. Thank you. you enjoyed Michaela's story I always find it really fun to listen to and I've listened to it several times and I always get a good giggle out of um, Michaela's approach to teaching and hopefully you do feel inspired by her approach to her classroom practice and taking her students outdoors and creating immersive experiences for them inside the classroom and outside the classroom because now we're going to address the issue of excursion risk management and talk about a bit of an overview of what that is and what that means for you as a teacher. So we know that over the past decade, risk assessments have really become a non-negotiable part of excursion programs. This has partly been driven by WHS legislation and also an increasing interest in organised outdoor activities from educational regulatory authorities and educators in general. So the more interest that there is in taking children outdoors and the more understanding that we have in the value of taking students on excursions and taking them on outdoor activities there's become an increased awareness of the inherent risk that is involved in that so even though everybody is aware that risk needs to be managed it's still really confusing how to manage risk and how we do that on a planning and practical level and how we as teachers can identify the most appropriate processes to take in identifying hazards, assessing risk and implementing controls. So the question that teachers are now faced with is how can we ensure that our risk assessments that we're doing and the risk management plans that we are implementing are not just a tick box activity and that we are actually implementing something that is useful and practical and will keep ourselves our colleagues and our students safe and the first step in that is to take a holistic approach to developing an excursion risk management plan so this is the point where i'm just going to give a quick overview of the difference between a risk assessment and a risk management plan. So a risk assessment will make up part of your risk management plan. The risk assessment itself will be the part where you identify hazards, assess the risk posed to humans, people, students, you, your colleagues, and then you will look at the controls that you can implement to reduce that level of risk. That risk assessment is then put into a broader risk management plan where you then take further steps to ensure that safety is controlled on an excursion. So by taking that holistic approach in creating your risk management plan, you can take that risk assessment process outside of a box ticking exercise to one that you actively engage with and you work to involve others in managing risk on an excursion. The commonly focused categories when it comes to risk assessment is on people, equipment and the environment. And these layers include the role of the overall risk management process and procedures. And that includes supervisory teachers, teachers who have come to assist with the excursion, any parent helpers, 
and the students who are on the excursion. It can also involve the people who are involved at an excursion site. For example, if you visit an environmental education centre or an external excursion provider, those people are also involved in the risk management process. So the issue that we're addressing is that an excursion can expose students to risk that is outside the scope of a normal school day. So when you're in your normal school environment, you're much more aware of the hazards that are there and some of those hazards remain unchanging and therefore your understanding of the risk involved in those hazards is part of your normal everyday activity. But when you go off-site and involve your students in an excursion, that new environment that you're in is potentially completely unknown to you. And that is why an excursion risk management plan is developed so that you can ensure that the risk assessment process is done appropriately, that communication around safety is implemented before, during and after the excursion. And that means that the risk assessment process is appropriately reviewed. And that is what constitutes your risk management plan. It is absolutely essential that you identify and comply with the relevant policies, procedures and guidelines that are relevant to your school when planning an excursion. So whichever department of education you work for, it is likely that they have a mandated process that you will need to follow before you can even take your children on an excursion. So for example, the New South Wales Department of Education requires that a risk management plan is submitted to the school principal before students attend an excursion and the school principal needs to sign off on that excursion. One of the big difficulties facing teachers when it comes to finding information that's relevant to an excursion risk management plan is how do you find that information? There's a lot of information online that is geared towards assessing risk, managing hazards and implementing controls um, for industry such as construction, agriculture, manufacturing and logistics. So online there is a huge amount of information about risk assessments and how to identify hazards and assess risks and implement controls but a lot of that information isn't particularly relevant to a school scenario when you're managing a group of 30 or potentially even more students. So it might be difficult to interpret this information and make it meaningful for your purposes within a school-based context. That's why hopefully the Department of Education that you work for will have a mandated process that you can refer to uh, and hopefully have developed a solid framework for you that you can follow. However, we are also going to address this in this course to help you understand how to make meaning out of that general information that is available around risk assessments and then risk management planning. Now we're going to get into the real detail and the real nitty gritty of developing a risk management plan. So we're going to start by setting some context for a risk management plan and say that the purpose of an excursion risk management plan is to make excursions as safe as possible for all involved. I think we can all agree that that makes sense, but what we need to ensure when we're doing the risk management plan is that all elements of the excursion are considered in developing the risk management plan. And that includes the level of risk associated with the excursion, 
the activities that will be undertaken on the excursion, and the attributes of the individual members of the student group attending the excursion. So what that means is that we need to think of everything, and that takes us back to the holistic approach that we were talking about when it comes to developing an excursion risk management plan. And the cohort of your student group that you're taking along with you can make a big difference in the way that you assess the risks posed by certain hazards and the controls that you implement. So it's really important to identify things such as behavior of your student group, any students who have particular needs when it comes to allergies or health issues or accessibility issues. So the process for developing a risk management plan involves eight steps. Step one to five is really the risk assessment steps and step six to eight are the steps that you take to complete the risk management plan. These steps include identifying all aspects of the excursion. Now that includes from the moment you leave the classroom till the moment you return back to school. Determining the hazards related to each part of the excursion, assessing the risk posed by the identified hazards, and that includes each and every single hazard, eliminating or controlling hazards to remove or reduce risk, and we will talk about that in detail later, documenting the risk assessment, so that's step five, where you are writing down all of the steps that you've taken in identifying the aspects of the excursion, determining the hazards, assessing their risk, and then implementing controls. The next step is communicating the plan to all relevant people. That includes everybody who will be going on the excursion, all of the students, all of the parents of the students, the rest of your school, the school principal, any parent helpers. The next step is to monitor and review the plan followed by filing the plan for future reference, which is actually a very important step. So all of these elements of an excursion safety management plan have to be considered and incorporated. Now, this is where we're going to break the process of developing the excursion risk management plan down into each step and have a detailed look at each step. So step one is list the activities that are involved in the excursion. So this really, when we say list the activities, it needs to be a really detailed list of the activities. So you need to go through, think about each aspect of the excursion from the very beginning to the very end of the day. So we've given you some examples to consider and that includes traveling to and from the venue, arriving at the venue, each major activity at the venue, overnight accommodation if that's relevant, meals if that's relevant, and then we have student allergies and there's also student medical needs and accessibility as well. These are things that you need to list as part of your activity. Now, when you get to each activity at the venue, that might be where you can become a bit stuck as the teacher, but if your excursion's being delivered by an external excursion provider, because you aren't across all of the activities that they will be delivering. And then that means you aren't aware of any of the hazards and the, and then the subsequent risk that is involved. So that would be the point where you can contact the venue 
to try to gain insight into all aspects of the excursion. These days, luckily, excursion providers have realized that they need to be providing risk assessments to teachers, and it's most likely that you will be able to get hold of a risk assessment from the venue. This doesn't mean that you don't need to add to that risk assessment. It's really important that you identify that your students will be leaving the school grounds, potentially getting on a bus, that they could be walking through a car park, or they could be walking to the bus bay and identify the hazards involved in that. So you need to include all of the steps and that includes when you return to school, the students traveling on the bus, the students exiting the bus, etc. So even if you do get hold of a risk assessment from the external excursion provider, you can use that to incorporate into your own risk assessment. So that covers off on step one. Now that we have identified the each activity that is involved in the excursion, this is when you have to start to identify the hazards. And that's when it's important to understand what a hazard is. And we do go through this later, but just for now, a hazard is anything that can cause harm to a person. So consider hazards such as travel, equipment that's used in the activities, the surrounding environment, and like I mentioned before, the behavior of your student cohort that you're taking, medical conditions, accessibility needs. And once you've done this and you've gone through and identified every hazard, you then need to document those hazards along with that list of activities that you've created. The next part that you'll be looking at in developing the risk assessment is assessing the level of risk. So to do that, we use a risk assessment matrix and we'll look at assessing risk later on in the course because there's quite a lot of detail when it comes to assessing risk because risk is subjective and it can depend on your own personal experiences when it comes to assessing the level of risk. So understanding and using a risk assessment matrix to assess hazards is really important and we'll be looking at that further. But you will be assessing the level of risk each individual hazard poses to everybody that will be involved in the excursion. Now, step four for the risk assessment is one of the important steps, and it will involve using a hierarchy of controls. Again, we will go through this in detail in this course because it helps you to consider the most suitable control strategies to implement for each individual hazard. So as a rule of thumb, the most effective control is elimination. And at all times, you should consider elimination when it comes to controlling a hazard and reducing risk because elimination means that then there is no longer any risk. But practically, this can be very difficult. So therefore, that's where the hierarchy of controls comes into place, where you can then go through a list of other ways that you can reduce the risk that is posed by a hazard. The next step, step five, is documenting the risk assessment. So that's when you put together all of that information. So you might start with a risk assessment pro forma when you get to step one. And we have one of those in the downloads, in the document downloads for you, some examples and a pro forma from the New South Wales Department of Education. So that means that you end, when you're going through the process of listing all the activities, identifying all the hazards associated with those activities, assessing the level of risk using a risk matrix, and then implementing controls using the hierarchy of controls, you have pretty much created a risk assessment. So that is how you document the risk assessment. But as I have said before, 
That isn't enough when it comes to creating an excursion risk management plan because the next step, step six, is really an incredibly important part of planning for your excursion because it is communicate the plan. So communicating the plan that you have to eliminate and control hazards is incredibly important for everybody involved in the excursion to be aware of and to understand. There's a whole bunch of ways that you can communicate the plan to the people who will be involved in the excursion. And you can start with the staff who will be accompanying you. So you can provide staff with a copy of the plan. You could go over the copy of the plan in a staff meeting. The other way to communicate the plan to the broader school community is via emails to parents who may be coming along as parent helpers or you may wish to send a copy out to all parents of students who are attending the excursion. You may consider putting it in the school newsletter. You may consider summarizing it and putting it on your social media sites or on the school website, or you could communicate this at an assembly. The more that you communicate the plan, the better you can manage safety on the day because safety is everybody's responsibility and you are maintaining duty of care while you are at the excursion site. So to prepare the students, teachers, colleagues, parent helpers, it is important that this step, step six, is done thoroughly and in detail. Step seven, monitor and review. This has two elements to it. You need to monitor and review your risk assessment during the excursion. So you need to be adaptive while you're on an excursion because the environment may change and you may need to quickly figure out ways to control hazards that you didn't see coming or that suddenly appear. So you're constantly monitoring and reviewing your risk assessment as you're on your excursion. But it's also important that you monitor and review the risk management plan afterwards so that as a school and as an individual teacher you can go through what worked and what didn't work and have a good look at how you used your knowledge and skills and how you could improve for next time. Step eight, file for future reference. There's a couple of reasons why you want to file your risk management plan for future reference and even though this may seem on the negative side, uh, if there were any incidences on the excursion that may result in further investigation or issues. If a child's hurt themselves, you'll want to have that file that you can pull out and say, look, I have done the appropriate paperwork. Everything was covered off on to try to eliminate any issues for yourself when it comes to any incidences that happened. Filing for future reference can also help your colleagues who might be going on an excursion to the same venue and they can use your excursion risk management plan as a starting point and a reference obviously not to copy but it's good to have something as a reference and that is when you yourself can go and look in files to see if any other teachers at your school have been to the same excursion venue you're going to so keeping a file of your risk management plans can be useful and helpful for yourself and colleagues So we have an activity in this chapter that we're asking you to do, and that is review a past risk management plan. So the idea is to get your hands on a risk management plan that has been filed as part of step eight. And I know we're being quite positive in thinking that that has happened. So if you can't get one from your school or you're a casual teacher and it's difficult, 
I suggest that you Google excursion risk management plan and get your hands on one. If you're having trouble finding one, please let us know via email and we can help you. But what we would like you to do is take a good look at the risk management plan and review it as practice of how you would review your own risk management plan after an excursion. Work through the steps that we've talked about for developing a risk management plan and have a look and check have the, have the steps been followed? Does this risk management plan look adequate? Is there anything that has been done really well? Or is there anything that you feel could be improved based on what you've learned so far in this course? And what we would like you to do is post a summary of your findings in the learning community for this course. So take a good look over the risk management plan, figure out which parts you think are good, give some feedback to the community about what you think the challenges were with this risk management plan, what any changes that you would make. We hope that you will engage with the learning community. It's important that you hop on to the learning community and put your answers up there as it is part of the course and it helps you engage with other learners and you can also learn from other learners and have a look at their answers and see what they've put for this activity and you can potentially bounce ideas off each other as you're working through learning the basic steps of how to create an excursion risk management plan. So well done, you've got through the first main chapter of excursion risk management and it has been a bit of an overview never fear step one to eight will be following in the next chapters and we will be exploring in detail the concept of hazards the concept of risk the way to eliminate or control hazards that is going to be the next part of the course that we will be talking about so that you can get confident in completing a risk assessment so strap in go on to the community, meet your other learners, and I will be back in the next episode. Over and out.